0: Salutation! And, and welcome <laughs> to the 62nd episode of the In the House Podcast. Woo! It's the official podcast of Scouts' House Supporters Group, which is an official supporters group of Louisville City Football Club. I am your host, Evan Floyd,
1: and yeah. I am juiced Super, to be here tonight. So many
0: reasons to be here. I feel like I'm on steroids. I'm amped up to be here tonight. Uh, coming off a really nice win, yeah. we've got a really nice guest, yeah. Andy did a really nice job on I the coin like toss, to it's been a big week, and so, this is this is gonna be, you know, most of our shows were like a 6, I'm giving this one like a 7 right from the jump, right from the jump, this jo- is a 10, see, this I like your optimism, show.
1: this is a 10 show,
0: Uh, I am your host, Evan Floyd, and I am an employee of Louisville City Football Club, so any opinions I share are the opinions of myself alone and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any of our sponsors, affiliates, or the club itself. You've gotten so good at that. I'm getting much better at getting that just out of the way. Um, All right, so to be able to cover all the ground we want to cover tonight, uh, I'm going to need... I'm going to need somebody to really throw the water in the bucket and sling it over his shoulder and carry it for me. Carry a lot of water. And I can think of no one better for that task than my partner, who is coming to you live tonight from an alpaca farm in Nova
1: Scotia, Andy Frederick. Andy, welcome on, buddy. I'm making coats. (laughs) Coats? Yeah. Hey, hey, alpacas are great animals. Mm -hmm. They're sweet. Did you know this, coach? They're sweet. I didn't know that. Alpacas are actually very nice animals. Alright. Yes. Also, you can <laughs> shear them. Oh, well, one would hope. And they make excellent clothing. Fine, for, yeah. fine
2: textiles? Sweaters.
0: Okay. Textiles out the butt. Right. I'm I'm that, you.
2: So they don't get pissed off when you're shearing when you them? Shearing. No, because it feels good to them.
1: Oh, alright. Also, Nova Scotia, beautiful place. Beautiful country. Beautiful I've countries. heard that, actually. I've never personally been there. It's great here.
0: Uh, Andy we we got a win this week we did and you were crucially
1: involved I mean crucially involved I'm not gonna say crucial I'm just gonna say this was one of those games for me yeah where everything lined up perfect okay yeah. now I'm gonna give the little story here before yeah, before we do. bring
0: our please guests do. on because uh, we need to devote all of our attention to guests once guests. No, yeah on. I'm, I'm just but I'm gonna launch so, into a few things yeah. so just do it so uh our title night sponsor for the previous game was Lunazul Tequila. Yes. Lunazul Tequila is one of Andy Frederick's accounts.
1: That I is, sell them, That Not is something. That is, I just,
0: yeah, yeah. I don't it doesn't know matter. the uh, But Andy essentially works with and for and next to Lunazul Tequila. Yes. Lunazul Tequila, the big wigs who would normally come out on the title night and do the coin toss, Uh, were otherwise occupied, slang and booze, elsewhere. And uh, they asked if we had someone we thought would be able to fill the bill for that. And we said, well, we have one of your account, uh, one of your uh, sales consultants, yeah. who uh, is one of the enormous fans of the team, will be there regardless, and will be happy to do the coin toss.
1: That was you. It was me. You did the coin that toss. That was a really exciting call for me to get from you. Usually when you call, I see that it's you, and I just put it down. Yeah. And I say, I'm going to call it back. No, time. I know that. Very, I know that well. But something happened. You texted me, I think, mm. and you were like, hey, you should really call me back when you get a chance. Yeah. And so... I don't know what it was, my gut was like, give him a call. Maybe you should call him. I like That's it. So I called it. And so you got to toss the call. I coin. got to toss the call. So
0: for the fans who don't ever get to get down on the field under any circumstances whatsoever because security is tight and I'm mm-hmm. there to watch them, uh, that I'm, I have zero to do with that. Um, tell me, what was the experience like?
1: Holy crap. Are, Are you really kidding like- me? Oh my God. A, it was awesome. B, it was awesome. C, the field is so much bigger <laughs> when you're down there. <laughs> you sit like 10 feet away it from the goal. Matter. And about 10 feet in the air. It does not matter. Really? Because it doesn't matter. Because when you get down to it, no, it's just like, I remember Brad Gordon walking myself and uh, the woman who sang the National League. Olivia award, the, Hinkin. L- yeah. Great job. Well, yeah, great she, job. Was, she did an amazing job. But he walked us out. And I just and I had the biggest grin on my face. A because I was about to flip the coin, but like toss the coin, right? But like to be surrounded by all of like all the, the, the stuff you see in the regional city, right? Like to be surrounded by that crowd, to see the field, to be on it, it was it was Shaking incredible. Shaking hands with officials, also, with oh, Paolo. Also the legend himself, Frank Frederick.
0: And dad.
1: Like third row. Yeah, man. I hear this screaming behind me. I turn around and it's my dad, and he's got his camera up and he's so proud, which made me even happier. It was like, this is awesome. He's, not, is gonna be, awesome. he's not even going to be
0: that way for the birth
1: of your child. No, honestly. man. Did no. You know he was coming. Oh yeah, he comes to as many games as he can.
0: And did you, you you alert him that you'd be doing the coin toss? I did. Okay, so he knew. He right. knew, but it, would it have been was a great surprise.
1: I, he knew, but it was still, it was still, you know, it was still awesome to see him there. So. Um, you know. You tossed the coin. Did you win or
0: lose the coin toss, Andy? I lost the coin toss. Well, and now we know because we went on to win the
1: game that losing the coin toss is vital. Well, so here's the thing. So the Nashville dude, you like shake, shook his hands. I secretly hate you, but it's fine. It's fine. It's, <laughs> fine. it's fine. Welcome to Louisville. It's fine. Whatever. But Palo walked up, and I've met Palo like once. I've had the briefest of conversations with Palo, right? But he walked up, and he saw the kit, he saw the scarf, and clearly it was, well, this guy's not. This is some random jabroni who they brought down. <laughs> like, this is clearly a fan. So this Paolo walks up. Weak. Paolo walks up. He's like, yeah, dude, let's do it. I was like, yeah, Paolo, let's do
0: it. And then Paolo actually offered Andy a spot in the starting lineup. He had the captain's arm in, and you're
1: allowed to do no. He Well, I flipped the coin, and... Like, well, went to Nashville and I looked at Palo. I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, It's fun. It's, fun. <laughs> he was like, it's, fun dude. it's almost like that doesn't have a huge impact on the game. No, right.
2: Like, Palo right. loses a coin toss most games. That's since fun. I've been here, that's
0: That's frustrating. Well, I mean, I but we've like won that's... most games since you've been here, so it's kind of okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I'll continue to accept the yeah. lo- loss of the coin toss and the winning of the game. Uh, and I'm glad you got to do that. It was Thank a cool you. and fun thing. Thank I, you. I, I really had very little to do with it. I don't want to feel like I displayed any influence here. I just said we know a guy, and then Lunazul Tequila
1: was like, "That sounds amazing." There was actually a lot about this game that came together. I'm not saying because I did the coin toss. I'm just saying but it's maybe. weird. There's a possibility. I'm just out saying, there. right? Like the possibility is there. We interviewed Antoine last week. Yeah,
0: Antoine scores the game winner. I called that. And Andy called, and called it, it on the podcast.
2: Score. And I then really? Did. What
0: else did you call would happen that you always call will happen? Oscar DePaco. And what happened in this we game for the first, first time goal,
1: Oscar DePaco.
2: You know what? I've been thinking about that call you made the last time I was on this and how it hadn't happened. And when it did happen, I thought about it. Man, that took a long
1: time to happen. <laughs> Look, not, I didn't say. I,
2: but we all think that's going to happen every game. <laughs> we really do. <laughs> I mean, I certainly believe you when you that it's going to happen He's, every game. He I'm says like, yep. It. <laughs> good. I'm he, with you. I believe it too. He says okay. it
1: with such conviction every time, which is what is nice. It, you know, it's statistically speaking, if you cast a wide enough net, you're going to catch something, right? And
0: I think they got four together last year yeah. in league play and one in the uh, Open Cup last yeah. year. So, I mean, realistically, it's not a bad guess. And so now hopefully we go on a long run of that. But all right, we've covered Andy's uh, extra special adventure, and that's fantastic. But now let's actually introduce the man who's yeah. been uh, who's been helping us to chime in here from the background. Our, one of our all-time favorite guests, the leader of our squad, the uh, the boss man himself, Coach John Hackworth. Oh my God, Coach! Coach, thanks for coming back on.
1: I'm always surprised that you come. Back.
0: <laughs> I have fun when
2: I'm with you guys. So
0: we try to anytime keep it that way. I can make it. Well, we appreciate that. Um, let's see here, things to cover. There's a lot, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, I think we had you on for the first show of this season. It was just like days before uh, the North Carolina trip. Yeah, it was. And uh, that one didn't go well. Um, but hopefully days before the Ottawa trip is a uh, is a more successful uh, business, business venture. Uh, Coach, we're 18 games into the season, uh, 18 games since we last spoke. And uh, what are your impressions of the season so far?
2: Wow, that's a that's a heavy question. I went as <laughs> broad as possible and then I wow. we'll narrow
0: it down. Damn. He immediately regrets um, this decision.
2: Yeah. What am I doing? <laughs> um, look, a, a, there's so much that has gone on in this season so far that it's hard to put it into you know a, a tight little box because things have happened to us that nobody ever would have thought would happen, and yet. I also feel really confident about the way we play, and I love the fact that we've had all this adversity and we've responded positively to it. Um, we continue to do that in-game, which I made the comment in the, the press conference post-game that I'm losing my hair over it, but...
0: <laughs> I think it still looks thick, coach. Yeah, thick.
2: The, the reality is it's it's um, it's been a, a strange year. Um, and. A lot of different uh, scenarios have been presented, but I still feel good about where we are and I feel even better about where we can go. Okay, I think that, I think
0: that sort of echoes what Amy yeah. and I have talked about for a while, which is that we're not really to a point where we feel qualified to have an opinion about this team yet. No. Uh, there have been so few games where we could deploy the team as one would draw it up. Uh, that it's hard to judge what it'll look like once we get to that point. But the advantage of thats that is that we've gotten to see so many, many players that we maybe didn't expect to see a ton of this year, and then that can maybe affect who gets deployed where once the time comes that all of the weapons are available. Uh, who has been a pleasant surprise to you this year? Whose play have you thought uh, either exceeded what you thought or
2: met already high expectations? I think it's easy to point to Magnus. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's been a, a big positive. Um, I think Napo has clearly come on. You know, about a quarter of the way through, um, and and surprised. I wouldn't say surprise our coaching staff, but he certainly surprised uh, the fan base. For sure. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and and he did it in <laughs> a way that I think is the best way to do it. You know, he bided his time. He worked his ass off in training you know he showed his teammates and his the coaching staff what he was about you know consistently and the opportunity arose and then he just literally took it and he took it in a great way so i mean that's a good story i love the fact that chris hubbard is playing right now absolutely and playing so well um you know if you asked me that, that on the podcast that i was on here previously before north carolina i mean he wasn't even in preseason. right right you now I mean, this is a guy that had been injured since before we played the championship. Yeah. Uh, so there's guys that are, are pleasant surprises in there. Um, and yet we still have a, a core of players who are, you know, uh, doing well. And, um, you know, I, I would point out, I, I hate to kind of point out guys, but sure. to answer your question very specifically, I think, you know, uh, those are the players that I would look at yeah. right now. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was it was a pleasant surprise for us to find out that Hubbard's nickname is Diesel. Diesel. <laughs> That's one yeah.
2: of the best nicknames ever.
1: That's pretty
0: solid. For a podcast that loves our nicknames, yeah. Diesel is is vastly
1: superior. Well, I can I forget
2: what game it was that we found out, but Scouse was like Yeah, Scouse you know, was, Scouse texted me or something like that and I said he's like, Does he have a nickname? I was like, Yeah, Diesel. And so <laughs> scouts told us
1: all that, and all of us like stopped. And we're like, His name is what? Diesel? That's so unimaginably badass. Well, uh, uh. It is,
2: and the story about how he got the nickname yeah. is even better. Oh my god. But I can't tell. Is it not? Yeah, I thought it probably wasn't. One uh,
0: has
1: to guess in these to It's gotta, it's that it's won't gotta come go down. Air.
2: It's got to go down in the history of Loose City, and oh will never my be gosh. told. But it's wonderful <laughs> a great story. question of our time.
1: How did he get the nickname <laughs> Diesel? I think that much like uh, Lippa FC stories, yeah. people
0: should just go online and make up their own. Oh my yeah, God, that would be great. Be, like, that would be amazing.
2: Try to guess how he got that nickname. <laughs> <That'd be
0: amazing. laughs> I love that. I love that idea. I'm pitching that
2: to Howie tomorrow. Like we My wife know. loves it because I, I love nicknames, and I. Come up with nicknames for all our kids, and our dogs. She does too, but like sure. we have more nicknames in our family, or for you know, it's just natural. Um, yeah. So, Diesel, and, and and when a nickname sticks like that, then you gotta love it, you know. So, yeah. Underway. I
1: don't, I don't know if he knew that we knew that because when we, when Scouts told us that, when he walked up to our end, we started shouting Diesel at him, and he had this big smile on his face. It was like, no, we. We got it. We support
0: you.
2: <laughs> that's pretty cool.
0: Well, and it's it's always entertaining to me when, uh, cause, I mean, when when somebody comes on our show, we almost always ask them, hey, you have a nickname, do you yeah. have something you like, do you care if we try to come up with one? Obviously not in the moment. but, uh, And we, I think we failed to ask one of the players on the team who we've had on a couple of times who has a great nickname, and that's Pat McMahon. And that's because we immediately just started hit, referring yeah. to him as McMahon Bun because he had the big man bun yeah. and it's so easy. It fits so perfectly. And Andy, do you know what Pat McMahon's nickname is? No. Coach? Vibes. 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 How good is Vibes? All right. I love that. All right. I love that. And it's it suits him so darn well. It's perfect. Yeah, it does. Anyway, uh... Moving beyond our, we digress. our, our nickname, we,
2: <laughs> we went straight from "How's the season going?" Right. into nicknames It's it pretty okay. fast. Frankly, we
0: should we should just rename this podcast "The Digression" mm-hmm. because that's really what we are. Um, We're going to need some more drinks. We tonight. definitely will. Yeah, we we, we are really here cool. at Chow Ristorante Woo! tonight, uh, out on Payne. It's a uh, it's a lovely establishment. We've eaten here many times. You can't find Andy by coming here anymore geographically but you he know, used to live basically across the street
1: i did so this was old stopping grounds this was well it was new stopping grounds because old, uh, we lived yeah. there be- when it was opening right yeah but uh if you like italian food which if you like joy you do um and if you like purple stuff if you like purple stuff they've got plenty of it <clears throat> Ashley runs a hell of a bar program yeah come come get your purple stuff come get well, your italian food
2: do yourself a favor well i'm investing in this restaurant um by the number of times that i've eaten here oh i well thought you were talking it, literally so i was like hey, i great. did too i was like no, that's i a way much to ingrati- I mean you i yourself. pretty much feel like i should have there some you stock go. here I, so I mean
1: i can talk to the people good, who can make that good <laughs> <laughs>
0: start reaching start reaching out uh i am investing in another old-fashioned here in just a moment like yeah, that's absolutely. that's what i'm investing in. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a great restaurant. We appreciate them sort of tucking us back into a corner mm-hmm. so we can have this podcast tonight. We'll do. Well, Johnny. Yeah. Hello.
1: Cool. Yeah. We'll do now. Yeah,
0: yeah. Please. Uh, okay. So now that we've covered where we're actually at, instead of Nova Scotia, which I'm not going to pretend anymore, it was a lie. You're not actually in Nova Scotia. You're right here with us. There's going to be
1: that one person out there who's like, what?
0: I thought he was a world traveler. What? Uh, can you imagine the disappointment of all the people who tuned into this? Like, Coach Hack's gonna be on this time, and then it's just restaurants and nicknames the whole the whole time. We're gonna talk about <laughs> so Andy's disappoint. coin toss. And they're just so they're, they're tearing Let's their stop hair right, right, now. right now. We should. All right, thanks, Coach, yeah. for coming on. We're gonna enjoy some Italian. Anthony food. Bourdain
1: made millions doing stuff like this. I'm That's just saying. True. That's true. Uh, I'm
0: yes. Anthony Bourdain. I am not. Um... Okay, let's let's try to rein this let's back in. Let's do it. Yeah, let's rein this. this rein this back in. We've talked a little bit about uh, surprise players that have positively surprised you. Uh, what has been the most frustrating part of this season? I won't say player. I'll say what's been the most frustrating part about this season for you so far.
2: Another tough question. Um, the easy answer is is the injuries that yeah. have occurred yeah. occurred within our team and um, the un. You know, the the untimeliness of the injuries in particular have been really difficult to deal with. Um, and that's you you always know they're gonna come, but it, it has has taken a toll. At the same time, it provides an opportunity for guys that, you know, I mentioned Napo. Maybe that's a reason that Napo has had the opportunities he's had so far. So Um, There's always a a positive, you know, side to look at that. But that has been, you know, difficult for us. I mean, just the fact that we played four different goalkeepers in this year and and rostered five, like, is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I've been coaching for almost 30 years, and never in my wildest dreams could you have said you have to literally halfway through the season, even a quarter of the way through the season, have five goalkeepers, you know, that you you were going to, so um, you can't make that up. You just have to deal with it. Um, so yeah, that's probably it. Probably sounds like an excuse. It's not an. It's just the reality of what happens.
0: Well, I mean I think even the even the most pessimistic fans, and we've got a few, I think even the most pessimistic fans have to look at a team and, and say the the keeper situation obviously has been in flux throughout the whole year due to injuries more than any other cause. Yep. And then, uh, but also. Our, our attacking front has been in some fashion blunted repeatedly throughout the year. For one thing, it started to look like uh, uh, Baki Jam had really found himself a nice niche and that uh, he was going to be a, a, a nice uh, counterpoint to Luke for a good chunk of the season playing mm-hmm. in the striker role and then you lose him indefinitely. Uh, that that was painful for a
2: lot of us. Uh, just his shoulder. You play soccer with your feet. <laughs> <laughs> I tell him that every day. <laughs> I don't know why he's been out, honestly. <laughs> uh, and,
0: and then, to me, I think the the biggest story of the season in terms of injuries has been Paolo not being able to be consistently out on the field, uh, plays most of the first two games, and then is out for about 12 Uh, Comes back for parts of two or three games and then leaves the game early uh, this past week with what appeared to be a uh, a knock. Uh, Obviously, we're not trying to give you to give anything away for Ottawa, but uh, do we have any kind of report on where Paolo's at right now?
2: Yeah, our hope is that it's a a minor knee sprain. Okay. The reality is that it it might be more than that. So um, he was getting uh, an MRI. Uh, this afternoon, um, I should hear maybe while we're on this podcast, um, the results of that. So,
0: well, then we'll report um, that. I'm
2: kidding. We're not going to be allowed to do that.
0: Um,
1: but a coach can report that if he so chooses, uh, I guess he, I guess you could, I mean, you're not going to, but I guess technically you could, yeah, right. entirely his prerogative.
0: Uh, What we have really seen so little of this year, which most City fans have become completely familiar, accustomed to, and just expectant of, is uh, Speedy Williams and Paolo Del Piccolo run in the middle of the midfield. Uh, We've had three and a half years of getting to watch that like a metronome and being able to come to depend on it and understand what the game will look like. And I think that we've had something in the neighborhood of 73 minutes this year played with those two players at the same time, and that's uh that's brutal.
1: Where that's, did you find that statistic? I made that statistic up completely. Oh, I, okay. I completely
0: made. It. I think. Honestly, I think they played the first whole game together, and then the second yeah. game for about a half. So that's. I,
1: I think it sounded weirdly specific. It
0: was. I mean, I wanted it to, and then you called me on it. I was just going to let it sit out there, like it was, uh, like I'd done research.
2: I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled it out. We played. We I'm played sorry. less than two
0: full games this season with Paolo and Speedy uh, on the field at the same time, and that's. And that's one of the reasons why I've been so slow to try to judge what this team can or will be, because even if, uh, Speedy, came, if Speedy comes in and slots in seamlessly next week, uh, it looks, sounds like Paolo probably be out for a little bit. And then let's say Paolo comes back in a week, and, uh, well, then you've got to have a week to sort of get yourself right and get yourself ready. And then you've got – so you're really talking about the second week. We may be talking about, like, the 20th game of the year, even yeah. if Paolo's fine. Before we see what those two can really do in the midfield together, and that's that sucks for a Lu city fan, or for I imagine a coach.
2: Oh, it really sucks for a coach. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, look, Speedy's had a wonderful year, by the way. He he could be mentioned in a, as a candidate for a, a yeah. surprise player just because he's been so good for us and so good for jamaica agreed and that has been a hindrance for (laughs) us um because he's been away on international duty a lot and And that's uh, been part of it you know franos is the same way franos had a great year for us and then he gets called away for you know a big chunk Mm -hmm. two big chunks and uh you know that has an effect on us but i also think it's fantastic when players get that opportunity you know there's a reason that that they get that call up and it's because of how they're performing for their club, you know, and, and we have, I think been fortunate as a club, we've seen a number of guys um, get international call ups um, when really the last time they really, in, in terms of the, those international coaches making the selection have come from their performances at Lou city.
0: Yeah. It's been, it's exactly. been fun to be a victim of our own success in that respect where we got to watch you know, stars that we get to watch every week playing on you know national TV against international stars that we're not used to watching them play against. And uh, even when sometimes the results weren't what they would have hoped in those moments, it's just so much fun to be able to see them and be like, "Holy crap, that's Sean Francis!" Yeah. You know, and uh, yeah. that's that's a lot of fun. Uh, playing I, I center back.
2: It's playing center back, which uh, we commented weird, on. right?
1: It was like what?
2: <laughs> I mean, it he doesn't... did it fantastically. So I've he... told all our center backs they need to be on notice that you would have to be that Frano. Yeah, absolutely. Frano just took his game to another level. You better watch out. Well, so we were think? at
1: we were at Saints.
2: Yeah, we were at Saints. And we were
1: watching them play the U.S. and it was like, and we even commented on the show, we were like, this is the most... (laughs) I feel so conflicted watching this game right now. (laughs) You're rooting for the
0: U.S. team, but I I couldn't root against Speedy or uh, Sean, and it was unfortunate that, uh, and I I guess it was not the U.S. game. It would have been the the game they played previously where there was a goal that was essentially entirely City's fault, uh, where uh, Speedy made a not-great pass back to Frano. Frano muffed that pass, and then it got by him, and a goal was scored immediately, and I was like... Well, that was not our shiningest moment, but it's still cool to watch these guys play uh, international soccer. Uh, And we're thrilled that they're back, that they uh, don't appear to have taken too many serious knocks
2: in the trip. Is that safe to assume? Absolutely. That is a good assumption. Thank God. um, (laughs) All right. And I would say that I thought Speedy was really good against the U.S. team. Agreed. I Mm. thought he had one of his better international performances and, and, you know, I can't imagine being a scout looking for a player and not identifying that performance as as pretty, pretty special.
0: And, and we're so used to it. I think the entire USL is, even before he came to play with us and he'd been playing with New York Red Bulls, when they won their title, uh, New York Red Bulls 2, when they won their title, I remember thinking, God, I hate that guy. And then he came to our team, and I, you have to assume that everybody in the USL still says, I hate that guy, because he's just – He's just so good. He's yeah. uh, solid on the ball. He has great vision. He's fun to watch play the game. And uh, we're, we're ready to see him back out there in purple. So uh, hopefully, whether he plays against Ottawa or it's the following week, it seems like we've we got to be uh inching closer to a uh, – Devin Speedy Williams' experience—they always called him Devin Williams on there, which blew my mind. Yeah, yeah it, it call they just don't time. know. Yeah,
2: they just don't know. Don't know what but, they're
0: talking about. Well, and uh, Mike Watts called a couple of Gold Cup games,
2: and I kept hoping he was going to call one of the Jamaica games so he could set them all straight. He would have. He would have done it. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's. And look, speaking of Speedy specifically, when Paulo goes down against Nashville, he's the logical player to come in for that, and and he would have been. Except for we were down one nothing at that yeah, point. Sure. So, you know, um, Danny and Scott and I were discussing, that. hey, Speedy's the most logical guy to come into the game. It's a swap for swap. It's a like for like. Um, but yet we were down a goal, so we went with, you know, an attacking option and bringing Antoine on. I just want to throw some tactics no, in there. No, love. no, it, no, right? no that, yeah, that's, that
0: leads in great to, uh, to sort of the only tactical question that I feel remotely qualified to ask, and I'm not qualified to ask it. Uh, we have, for the vast majority of the, the season, played with four. At the back is uh, the only thing that I know to call it. And uh, the last two games, we have at least started the game with three at the back, or so appears to my eyes. You would be correct. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, is that a change that is just purely personnel driven? Did you think you needed to change up sort of the the way the team was playing, or more just uh, trying to deploy your guys in the best possible spots?
2: If those decisions were driven by our opponents, okay and what we thought India and Nashville were you know gonna do against us and how they would line up against us? Um, it also doesn't, you know, there are other factors in it. Like with Frano being out, um, you know, we've tried many different players at right back right now, and, and that hasn't been successful, you know. So playing three center backs the last two games, while we've given up goals early in each of those, we really haven't given our opponents, who are dangerous, many, many true chances. And so, um, In both of these last two games, that was the choice that we went with. Um, Clearly, you know, I'm probably, I I like four in the back because I'd like to have outside backs attack and and be really uh, important players in how we attack and how we unbalance an opponent. And at the same time, I mean, clearly when you have the quality center backs that we currently have, it makes sense to To sometimes change that up if the opponent and their tactics dictate it.
0: Okay, and see, I think that that is perhaps more of a commentary on uh, coaching philosophy than anything else, is the question of uh, being uh, able to respond to what the oppo- opponents give us versus saying, this is my system and they're gonna have to beat this regardless yeah. and I don't care what they wanna do, I'm gonna do this and this is it. Uh, is that something that you generally think of yourself as, about being flexible in that regard, or is it sort of uh, brought on by necessity this season?
2: No, I would say we we always try to look at it that way. Um, I mean, I think we're stubborn to believe in, in what we do and, and how we do it, but we always make some adjustments that you know fans probably never know about and never see. Um, within how we're deploying players and, and how we're asking them to be utilized in any any one game. Um, I think it's easy for fans when they look at the last two games to say, okay, they're playing three in the back. Like, for instance, this last game I, I heard and I read some stuff that said we were playing a 3-4-3, three, three, but that's not what we were playing at all. So, um, you know, it's... But the point is you play with Alexi Taylor and Paco you know you're playing with with three central defenders and mm. and now you have to figure out you know where the rest of the guys go and aside from giving up you know goals early in the half they've done an extremely good job on um, limiting our opponent um, and, and you look at Nashville a team that has some of the best attackers in the league yeah, sure by far and you know outside of that first Opportunity, which Rios took really good on an assist from Kim. Great, great you know, which finish. we yes. really didn't give them any other opportunities. That you know, Hubbard makes a couple good saves, mm-hmm. um, but I, overall, I thought our defense was really good, and I thought they were exceptional, especially in the second half of the Indy game as well. So, um, again, you know we're looking at different matchups, mm-hmm. um, trying to take advantage of what our opponent it's good at and where we think they're vulnerable and and it goes into all of that but we do that you know on a game-to-game basis. I've thought
0: consistently this year that City has played some of its best games against some of its best opponents. I thought that the Tampa game in particular we played really well and a lot of that was in the second half. I thought in the Indy game we played really well and a lot of that was in the second half. The Nashville game, same story. Uh, a little bit the same with St. Louis, although they've fallen off a bit in the recent weeks, but I mean, at the time they were still riding pretty high from that same thought process. The same goes with New York Red Bulls, too, which while we maybe didn't play a very great game, we held
2: a very good team to so a one was,
0: nothing win and had a real shot at it.
2: That was our worst first-half performance of the year, bar none. So I don't, I'm not bashful, I'm not <laughs> apologizing, that just was a bad first-half performance it is what it is. I was really proud of our second half performance and then we gave up a goal and couldn't quite get yeah. one home.
0: And and frankly, it was one of those games where we watched that together. Yeah. Andy and I watched that game together and thought, Phew. You know, it seems like this season we've had a couple where it felt like we should have won or we should have gotten a draw, and it went uh, way, the way we didn't want it to go. And uh, it, wouldn't it be nice if one time it, it went the way it, yeah. maybe maybe we don't deserve to win this game, but what if we just do? And it felt like it might happen against New York, and it just never quite did. I, although the thing I'll, still, I'll take away from that game all year was the emergence of Chris Hubbard. I think that uh, in his oh, first yeah. start he played oh so well. And if if he's still our keeper in the playoffs and at the end of the season, I think we'll look back on that game and go, who knows where we'd be if he hadn't played so well in that game.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, we've always said that whenever we play New York, it's always such a back and forth. Barnburner. It's it's always like that. And this game, that game could have easily been, like, a 10-goal game, you know?
2: Right. I remember watching from Costa Rica last year, and it, there were yeah. ten goals scored in that yeah. game. Yeah. So, um, and this year, yeah, oh my this God. year it was you know the opposite. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it is always difficult against them. You have two teams that are are playing very attacking. Um, you know they put a lot of num- we both mm-hmm. put numbers forward, which means we're vulnerable going the other way. So. Um, that's probably to go back to your first question about what is most you know disappointing from the year, what sticks out to you. Like our staff, our players, we all feel like we've had these games from the very start where our expectation of what was going to happen for whatever reason just went the opposite way. Yeah. And we have so many instances of that. You know, We've had so many games where we have battled back, which yeah. is
0: mm-hmm.
2: in and of itself impressive. But you don't want to have to do that. No, you don't you want know? to be in that position. Um, yeah, we want to get one of those nice four nothing I mean, wins where you get a
0: goal in the fourth minute and the eleventh minute, and then you just cruise. That sounds nice.
2: Yeah, I remember when we beat Charleston four one, mm-hmm. and in the press conference, I was getting shelled with questions about why we weren't this and why we weren't that, and I'm like, stop <laughs> it! Like we finally won a game by yeah, multiple goals. We, you like, you all know that we late. beat them,
1: right? Like, what yeah. do you do? <laughs> but
2: yeah, it's it that in. the whole thing in context it's been a a bit of a strange year so far so um but again i think our better days are in front of us so we just have to look at that way the group of guys you know their work ethic their mentality is really uh exceptional and and that's a reason why we've been successful for as long as we've been successful is because this group of players um We've had new guys come in, obviously, but the group of players, the core guys, you know, there there is a, a will there that is is exceptional, and has provided this club, you know, with two stars above our crest for a reason. Well,
0: I'm curious about the the attitude within the team. You, you mentioned mental toughness and about how uh, how strong of a core we have with this group. Uh, the, we get it from the fan base side of you know if you win a game and then draw a game and then win a game, everything is great and you're the best team in the world. And if you lose a game and then draw a game and then lose a game, you're the worst team that's ever existed. And then anything in between, you still have the ups and the downs that go along with it. In our last 10 games, we've lost one and Cincinnati, but there have been some draws in there that felt, like maybe wins that we didn't get away with, and then we lost the uh, New York game and the Cincinnati game back to back, and so that even though only one of them's a league loss, it sort of affects the mood of the fan base. Does it affect the mood in the locker room too? When even though you can look at it and go, yeah, if you look at the macro picture of this, we've got one damn league loss in ten games. Yeah. Why do I, we shouldn't feel this bad about this?
2: Yeah, look, we feel the same way though, um, and it's because of the expectation that we all have on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we won a number of those games that you referenced and we didn't really feel good about it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, had all kinds of people asking me questions about, well, you just won and it didn't look like the guys were really happy. It didn't look like you were happy. And it's because we have a high standard. You know, our expectation of what we do and how we do it, obviously it's about winning. uh, But at the same time, we want to play a style of soccer that we're all very proud of and we want to do it in a way that you know honestly dominates our opponent and when we do that and are successful it's so nice but when our opponent you know is up to the task and when our opponent makes it really difficult on us it's that is a that is one of the things that we have to overcome you know I constantly say we got to forgive ourselves because our standard is so high sometimes that we get caught up in that standard. Yeah. And, and we have to be, you know, like you, keep the perspective that in this long stretch, while we're, none of us are really happy with it, we really only lost one league game. And that was on the road to the to team the, we played in the Eastern Conference yeah. Final and was on a, you know, a, a mistake know, – Three years in a where, row. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not all gloom and doom, and it's not where we want to be, but, it, again – You know, we need to keep things. Got to be able to ride the
0: swells without necessarily topping out or bottoming out on any of them, and I think that's so important for the fan base too. Uh, You know, in my role with the team, I talk to the fans as much as I can. I I try to interact with the fans as much as I can, and uh, you know, I am a fan as much as I can, and uh, I'm I'm consistently shocked with uh, the the level of. This is perfect or this is miserable, and the no in between. Oh, it's ridiculous.
1: It's one of the reasons I don't get on Twitter as much as. Because it's always something like some fan.
2: I'm with says you, something Andy. I can't do it. Like, Dude, like it what just are you talking
1: about? <laughs> um, Antoine. Let's talk about Antoine. Absolutely. Let's talk about Antoine.
2: It's a good time to talk about Antoine. Yeah, right? It's a great time. To it talk is talk actually
1: about a good segue. I, I, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we give up a. Uh, a crowd favorite. So, and so that's my question: is right uh, halfway through the season, make we make a trade, right? Which is pretty uncommon, not pretty uncommon, but uncommon, right? Soccer noob. just go with it. You're you're killing it, right? The question wasn't like, oh, what do we do? And it was who, right? Like Lucky was a crowd favorite, right? And so we get Antoine Popino, and it's like, well, that's fine, but. He came from Tampa Bay, and that's fine, like, but what, what, what's, what's happening?
2: Look, I think you have to make some really hard decisions um, sometimes in and, and, and every endeavor in life, and none is harder than to uh, trade away a player that's playing well for you. Mm. Um, and that was, you know, a really massive decision. But it was with the idea that we have to be better. We have to add, we have to have more balance to the way we're attacking Mm -hmm. our opponents. Mm -hmm. Um, And as well as Lucky had played, you know, the opportunity presented itself. um, And it's a unique opportunity. And where we could bring a player like Antoine uh, that does have something different. And especially in the way we want to play, Offer something different than what Lucky was offering us, and so, yeah, it's risky. But yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, all of us on the on the staff that are making that difficult decision are looking at it: how can we make our team better? Right. You know, and and I know it's hard for fans to understand that, um, and especially, I absolutely understand that they're going to be very critical of that decision when it happens. Um, but they're also just like anything. They have to, you know, at least uh, the fans that aren't on Twitter and... and
1: uh, Those guys are both jerks anyway. It's fine. We almost all
2: are. <laughs> some of them. But, you know, what, what I'm saying ultimately is that, like, there has to be this idea of, you know, as a club, we want to be better. We right. want to get better. We want to... We have this expectation of where we are going to be. And all of our decisions are based on that alone. So it doesn't really matter who you are mm-hmm. and, and what you've done so far for our club. You know, if we feel like regardless of how hard it is, that that decision is going to make us better, we have to do it.
1: Well, so my my question is, did you have a moment when he gets that second goal on Saturday? I mean, he played played so well off of Ondi. Did you have a moment where he after he gets that goal where you're like, this is why.
2: Yeah. For everybody who it asks, was, it was. this is why. It was the minute he struck the ball. <laughs> I mean, there's no question about it. Because yeah, it was so. a perfect run. I mean, it was perfect. Look, if you have Brian Omby on one side and Antoine Hopano on the other side, you have a two-headed dragon. You yeah. have a, a, an attack that is going to be... Nobody can key on one side or the other, and and we really just need to get those guys specifically going in a really positive way. And and it's not just those two. I mean, I thought Luke Spencer was really good on on Saturday night yeah. and was so he phenomenal. He looked at his physical and, best. Oh yeah, in that yeah, game. and and he brought it. I thought he brought it against Indy in the second Agreed. half, he even was, with the shell on his head or whatever yeah. that thing was. He was a
0: shower cap. Yeah, that was.
2: It's a good look for him. interesting look yeah for sure
0: <laughs> but the the point we, we made I suppose last week with Antoine and that I think we can hold reasonably true to is that regardless if, if Antoine and Brian don't score goals all year, if they don't score another goal the entire season, you feel confident that just having those two out there creates so much space for Luke and Magnus to operate, mm-hmm. or for Niall or George or Napo, Speedy, Paolo, whoever's in the middle of the field, that there'll be just so much space up front, uh, just because you have to respect the speed and agility of those guys on the wings, that I mean, it pays for itself just, just in the space, let alone them actually making the great run
2: and getting the goal. Perfectly said. I, I don't you. need All to right, say quitting, off, no. I'm retiring. I right now. But. That was perfect. Uh, I'm gonna call Hallie and say, just call Evan. He's like the perfect <laughs> spokesman for me right now. He can explain it way better than I did.
0: <laughs> so. We're uh, we we also really enjoyed getting to getting to meet him. Uh, I think that uh, the fan base enjoyed getting to hear from him a little bit yep. and uh, sort of get to know him. I mean, you...
2: wasn't it cool how like um, I mean he clearly loved that moment. Like, that was Adored so important oh, yeah. for him. The yeah. arms so, go out.
0: Like, the, he's the he's the face of the match day picture for next week with oh that man. great pose. And it was a great
2: celebration. You could see sort of the... I uh, mean, Hubbard ran the, the whole league. length of the field yeah. to be down there, which I didn't know until I was going back <laughs> through the game tape. But... Um, Get back to no. the goal. <laughs> no, I, I love Don't it. No. We always talk about when we score, man, you just have to celebrate. And when you see a team organically do it the way that we did right there, with a new player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that was that that wasn't practice. That was pure, you know, that's as real and authentic as you can be. Yeah. Which I thought was amazing. And the fact that they've had so little time to practice and that you
0: could have a two pass combination of Luke's pass bringing Brian down the wing and then Brian's passing in the middle with Antoine making the perfect run. It was three perfect plays in one play and it just felt like, wow, like if that's the ceiling for this team, then uh, that's, that's the fun thought. <coughs> Is if, if that's the stuff we can be doing on a more than
2: occasional basis, then the sky's the limit. Yeah, I would mention that Sonny, makes a play before that is as important as the three you just mentioned but he literally makes a really good defensive play wins the ball plays it forward to Luke and that starts the whole thing so without Sonny making that play none of that happens we've talked a little bit about Sonny on
0: this on this podcast about how he is uh He's just like an injection when he comes into the field. I don't always feel like I know where he's going to go or what he's going to do, but I always
2: feel like it's going to be interesting. Like, you're yeah. going to want to watch this. And that's sometimes that's a lot of fun. He's a fun player to watch. I mean, he's a creative, you know, attacking midfielder. And if, if Magnus wasn't having the year that he's having, I think you would see a lot more of Sonny on the field. So, yeah. um, you know, going back to to Nashville game, to have both of them on the field at the yeah. same time, Yeah makes it really difficult. And and then you have, you know, some our our forward three that were, you know, stretching the defense and that gives them a little bit of time and space to to be creative and to yeah. pull out the imagination that, you know, no coach can inject in them. They just see things differently and um, that's that's wonderful. There's a balance to it, you know. Yeah. Everything has a balance. Responsibility and creativity. Uh, but in this case, I mean Sonny makes a defensive play that mm-hmm. leads to that goal. Yeah. And, you know, we all think of Sonny as a very attacking player, and yet he makes a key defensive play that leads to, the, to our second goal, which turns out to be the game winner. You mentioned uh,
0: that if Magnus weren't having the year that he's been having, that uh, we might we might be seeing Sonny more. Is Magnus still running laps for uh, skying the uh, penalty kick, or is that, uh, is that something you just sort of move on from immediately?
2: You move on immediately because okay. he doesn't do
1: that. You know, he makes all of them. Okay. And Everybody's uh, gonna have that one, what? Right? Like everybody has. Like no matter how good you pick the thing. I mean, you're I'm best I'm kicking at, myself
2: right? because I have this little, you know, it's a traditional kind of rule in my head that if you get fouled for the penalty, you don't take the penalty.
1: Really? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That's why. Because you're you're emotionally, you know, it, you're already invested in you're, it. You're uh, so okay. invested in it. I like, like that. And and it happens. So. Um, And we haven't had that. And I'm kicking myself because I should have called off Magnus, and I should have said, Luke, you're taking this.
1: Do you mostly let the guys decide who's going to take those?
2: Or is Um, it like a special? I mean, we haven't had many this year. (laughs) I think we've only had two. Yeah, Not not many. If I can remember correctly, which I can't most of the time. Um, But – most of the time, we would have called specifically who was going to take that. In, oh. in this case, Tosh
0: in the Open Cup springs to mind.
2: We had called that out before. <laughs> okay, you know, like really? Tosh is taking it.
1: Nice, <laughs> that's awesome. So big tuck, energy tucked in, locked in, man.
2: Um, we do. I, we try to go over as much as we can in our preparation, so that you know we're not just making harebrained decisions. <laughs> Uh, I hope that's not uh, what we were It kind of was. I mean, <laughs> what do you mean? You really call out the PK taker? Like, well, of course. So, um, <laughs> I'm being facetious, but, uh... Well, we, we, we've commented
0: but we've commented previously that we love it when we just see a guy grab the ball and go yeah and whether that's that he already knows because it was decided before the game or if he's just decided in that moment fuck
2: you I'm making this yeah well that uh, that's exactly what Magnus did yeah. I mean he grabbed the ball nobody like nobody even went near it and you know from where I'm sitting I'm like uh okay. We have our one of our best PK takers, if not our best, and he's literally said it's mine. Right. So to call him off of that is a difficult, you know, sure. right. decision. But the reality is, I should have done it. I should have said, Luke, you're taking it. You would have um, said, Luke. Yep. Yeah. In that situation, I mean, Luke is, you know, cool and collected and. Um, is as good at, at those PKs as Magnus. So, um, if Tosh is on the field, maybe it was Tosh. I mean Oscar's phenomenal at him mm-hmm. as well. I mean we have a yeah. number of guys that when we are, are going into open cup or into the playoffs, I mean we I we, hope we don't find out we playoffs. track all of God, these no, things. No, no, so. no I'll
1: get a share kid. I have we talk all the time that our theory for PKs pick a corner and just rip it, right? I'm very curious, what is your... Before he shares it, I gotta tell you, Mario. I told him we talked to Mario Sanchez this morning about it, and Mario Sanchez looked at me. I
0: said this exact same thing because Andy and I always say this about penalties. Yeah, you Mar- pick a corner, and, and Mario's like, get there. And Mario looked at me dead serious in the eye, and he went, "Oh, because it's that easy." And then he walked off like I was a freaking moron.
1: Well, now I feel like an ass.
0: That's right how I. Well, <laughs> oh, damn it. So, Coach, do you agree with Mario or Andy and I that it's just that the trickery, the mind games, the... Maybe I'll go to this corner, maybe I'll go to that corner. It's all maybe second place, and it's mostly just pick a corner and slam it.
2: I agree with Mario. It's uh, uh, okay. so almost like, like they're
0: coaches and we're right. not. It's almost like they're
2: How, about that? How about that? It's very Weird. strange. <laughs> On a personal level, I always had a spot. Okay. But if, a, if I knew a goalkeeper ever was leaning that way, I would go the opposite way, which was an easy decision for me if I thought that. I pick my spot, I go as hit it as hard as I can to that spot but if the goalkeeper leans I just have to go inside of the foot to the opposite side but I mean every PK taker has their idea of it and you know if you pull a hundred coaches most of the time we're always going to have a different idea of of where it goes or how you do it Um, which in the end that's why we do PKs a lot to just see okay this guy hits you know 15 out of 15 this guy hits 14 out of 15 yeah um magnus is that guy who literally hits 14 out of 15 pks and he didn't he he missed one and that'll be the 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 one he misses out of 15 for sure well then he's taking Um, the next 14 yeah there you go it's it's just crazy that oh
1: wow Sorry, Meg. Sorry, Meg. It's crazy. It's such a simple concept, right? Like, a PK is a very simple concept. And even if you do the, what we talk about, pick a corner, even that in
2: itself is a mind game, right? Yeah. Andy, one of my oldest and best friends, like, who I played soccer against in our backyards all the time and we took PKs every day. Like we we have this dream of creating a PK academy. Okay. So <laughs> because we're so convinced that we could coach this into like the a science. Like the science, you know, and it's just it's just waiting to be had. And I keep saying, Hey, I like this professional gig I have
1: You know if it doesn't work out yeah
2: i'll go maybe later back up as a pk academy but uh, like we have this running joke like and he's in fact this week he texted me and said hey this is not part of your pk training you know for our (laughs) academy and i said no it's not it's not not when we miss one
0: uh well so we we know now that that it's pretty scripted in terms of who's taking what with with some minor possible exceptions. Yep. It, does that extend out to about the 22? Because so far this year from about the 22 yard line, we've gotten I think five goals across all competitions and I'm pretty sure it's five different takers. Uh, we've seen Nile make one, Magnus, yeah. we've seen uh, Oscar make one, we've seen Paolo, Paolo make one, yeah. we've seen Sonny make one in the Open Cup, uh, we've seen a lot of different kinds of takers burying them from about 25. Is that scripted beforehand or is that purely a who's feeling it or it's this angle so it's this guy, it's that angle so it's that guy?
2: It's more that angle, that guy, he's been hitting them really well in training. Um, so Paulo's goal in Indy. Which like, was as gorgeous as anything you're gonna see. Which is fantastic, right? right? Yeah. Um, but literally on the bench, Danny and I are like, hey, Magnus? Niall? And then we said, no, Paulo. You know, and, and it, it's based on literally what guys are doing in training. And you have a, this gut instinct. And I, and I try to trust that gut instinct as much as I can. And and I also put the responsibility on the players because they understand that when they, you know, go up to take that that kick, that it is a lot of responsibility, and they're going to be accountable for it one way or the other. We've been really fortunate, and I love it that you know now we have several players who have hit these phenomenal free kicks for us uh, so far because I think that makes us dangerous. The same way that having Ombi on one side and Antoine on the other makes us da- more dangerous. If you have multiple guys who can, you know, curve a ball a certain way, you know, or, or you know, in, from 20 yards out or 22 or 19 or mm. from the right or left. I mean, it, it, it's an advantage for sure.
0: Well, I mean, we got so used to, last year, getting goals that way from one source and... Uh... Right,
2: and that's been tough because, like, you have those shoes to fill. And now everybody on our team understands. Hey, you know we have this. We don't have Cam anymore to hit that. So now we have all these guys that are good at it. And who's gonna do it in the game? Um, Oscar's phenomenal at him. He hasn't hit one in a game the way that he hits one in training. You know, uh, Frano is really good at him. He hasn't hit one in a game the way that he can hit him in training. Huber's so. probably too nice. <laughs> Because it's every keeper's real
0: dream Hubbard. is to be called up from the back, yeah. like, all ah, right, yeah. we need you, buddy.
2: I'll tell you, Dobro, really? if he gets a hold of one, like, the a velocity slammer? that he can put really? on. It That's fun. It's pretty impressive. That's a fun idea. So, but I'm, I'll, I'll be very clear, I'm not calling Dobro. <laughs> hold yet, on, we need to take a sub
0: right now. We're putting him <laughs> <Okay>. in. <laughs> Get Dobro <Yeah>. in here. <laughs> Obi, come on, you're coming off. Uh, the. The thing is, I believe at this point we're closing in on how many goals oh, oh we God. got from. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick timeout and we're gonna play some orders here real quick. Yeah. Is that? A and we are back. All of the food has been ordered. There should be food en route. Yeah. Uh, I think that now would be a good time to sort of transition us into. Uh, Sort of forward looking for the rest of this year and I think the easiest way to play the easiest place to start for that is with the game We're playing against Ottawa. It's it's, which is this we didn't do the
1: coin toss
0: We didn't but I mean we've basically covered what we wanted to cover about the game didn't we? No. All right, we'll do it Can we do it? Let's get a coin toss. Absolutely. Let's toss a coin. All right. What is Tails? Tails would be a game review and Heads would be a game preview. preview. All right Here we go. Yeah
1: it's, it tail. Tail. it's tail. Right. <laughs> I like it's it.
0: Crazy. I love it when it's a game <laughs> review first. That's convenient. Uh, so, we uh, uh, the game uh, game review. We're gonna go straight on into. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can
0: see the trouble he's having.
1: The, the inflection. <laughs> I know. Yeah.
0: It's okay. The, uh, the game review would be for us to talk about the game we just played at home against Nashville SC. Uh, it was a two-one victory for the good guys after yep. falling behind one-nil uh, early in the first half. Yet yeah, again, again, on a, on a pretty wicked strike from Daniel Rios. We've mentioned it a little bit that. Uh, it was. It wasn't a brilliant first half performance from our guys, but I mean, the goal that was scored was a brilliant first half performance. Uh, sometimes you just tip your cap and go, man, if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna put it in the upper ninety that way and it's gonna glance off the post and go in on one touch, okay, that's uh, that's accomplishing something. Yeah, so you totally can be mad about that. No, honestly, when it happened, I was from the other side of the pitch and uh, on my own, and I had been, I had looked away for a half second. And when I looked back, I saw it curling in, and I was like, damn, it was that Cam. And no, it wasn't. No. So I felt fine about that, although Cam does get the uh, the assist on that, ga- on that goal. Um, puts us behind. Uh, ultimately, we had a heavy, heavy, heavy dose of possession, both in the first and the yep. second half, which we've come to sort of expect. But Nashville is another one of those teams like Indy also, like Indy before it, that I just, it blows my mind that teams that have that much talent on the field, that have that much quality, that, that many quality players, are so willing to just give up the ball. I don't I don't get it, I don't like it, I don't understand Amen. it. It's If you are good enough to have the ball, have the ball, and they have the players on that team to do it, and they just choose not to, it's it's mind numbing to me, and I think that when that happens, you get what you deserve. Indy outplayed us for a half. We come back and we get them, and we pushed them to the wire for uh, maybe could have gotten a win out of that a couple of times. And the same thing here in Nashville, where once they got their goal, they fell back, and we're happy to happy to defend. And we just took it to them, which was a nice feeling.
1: We how rest- many how sorry how no. many goals does Cameron have this season? He's Nashville. sitting on five goals for Nashville this season. Five.
2: But in limited minutes. limited minutes.
0: He's still averaging about a goal every like eighty-five minutes of playing time, which is excellent production from anybody. So you'll you'll take but, that. Now last year with us he was averaging a goal like every like seventy-four minutes, but that was that was ridiculous otherworldly right. production. And he was also our only real goal scorer for big chunks of that season. Uh, whereas in Nashville he has to share that load with Rios and uh, uh, Bellomar and Mensa. Carlton Belmar in particular, I and mean, uh, Papa Mensa. I've never loved as much as some other people love Ropapa, but uh, that's that's neither here nor there. Maloto, um, I mean, they're loaded. They are, and that's one of those reasons again why I just don't understand when you've got guys like that. Why don't you want the ball? Yeah. get them to their feet and let them do their thing. But well, can I
2: say one thing? I think you, that can say we... as many things as you want we don't get enough credit for that part of it. Like, we make it really hard on our opponent to have the ball. And I know I'm biased and I'm probably going to sound like a whiny little bitch right now. <laughs> but <laughs> fucking A, like, we make it hard on our opponents to have the ball. Yeah. So, like, we, we recover the ball really well. We press the hell out of our opponents. We make it difficult for them to even have an idea that they want it. And then we have it, and we never get credit for that, yeah. which I get unless we win. But like, like if I'm a fan, that's what I want to watch. You know, it's I don't want—I don't want to watch a team be like, okay, we don't, we can't play against this team. We're gonna sit back against them. We're gonna defend. Like, I want to see the opposite. Yeah. And I know, from where I sit, I don't—none of this really matters. But like, well, I think I'm also—I'm the... also a lifelong fan of soccer, and I love when you are aggressive on both sides of the ball. And literally when, you know, when you press teams and you make it difficult for them, and when you have it, you you love to have the ball and, and you try to do something creative with it while having it, I mean, that's, in a nutshell, uh, what I don't, what I think we do a lot.
0: I agree, and, and I love that we're a possession-based team that tries to build out of the back, that tries to do with the ball, tries to impose our will on our opponents, That was always an appealing brand of soccer to me. And it's also why the best games we play every year tend to be against Tampa's and New York's and uh, frankly, Cincinnati's. Teams that also want the ball and will come at you and will try to take the action to you. Um, and that's why that, that provides some of the most appealing soccer of the year. And then, obviously, for the last two years, we've proven that that style of soccer can win you championships, and so if you're winning, then nobody cares. I think that to play devil's advocate, even though it is purely devil's advocate, it's not my viewpoint. I think that the fan base who has issue with that would say, it's all really well and good to have the ball as long as you're playing truly sound transition defense and when you get beat on the break as much as we were especially early in the season where basically every goal we gave up for the first six weeks felt like it was on a uh was on a fast break going the other direction that that's when sometimes you're going well what good does it do us to have the ball for 20 minutes when they had it for two minutes but scored in their two minutes and so that's I think probably the, the the flip side of that but, I mean, I, I tend to think
2: that that's uh, Look, reductionist. I, I remember when I was on this podcast last, and we were talking about, you guys were saying, what do you think about the season coming forward? And I think I made some kind of comment to the point where, you know, we're going to score three or four goals a game, but because we do what we do, we'll probably give up one or two. Mm. And the reality is we haven't gotten the goals that, that we all felt like we were going to get. Yeah. And so when we've given up the one or two that we always knew we were going to give up, sure, because of the way we play, because of throwing numbers forward and trying to be overly aggressive uh, to our opponent, you leave yourself vulnerable, and that's a choice. Yeah, you know, um, we could sit in like these other teams, and you know, to Sh- me, try that to get a lot matter. of zero-zero draws and one 0 wins. That that's that's not who we are. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to be apologetic about that because it's not who I am as a coach. And, uh, you know, if, if it is what it is. Well, so. the thing is you're going to be judged on a body of work
0: regardless. I mean, mm-hmm. and that's that's the reality of the profession you've chosen and the, the level to which you've risen in that profession is that, generally speaking, you're not going to be judged on the North Carolina game, the first game of the season where we get beat 4-1, and you're not going to get judged by the Charleston game where we win 4-1. You're going to get judged by how did it look over the course of the year and uh, where did we finish. And it's American soccer, and so you're really going to be judged on how do we do once the playoffs roll around. Yeah. And so, uh, which is has its positives and has its negatives, Louisville fans have become very big fans of the playoff system because we've been so efficient and effective in playoff soccer. Uh, I think more traditional soccer fans would generally say that the community shield or the supporter shield or the season-long trophy would maybe be the more valuable piece of hardware. But that's the reality again of your situation: is that you'll be judged based on where are we at the end of the year. The individual games won't matter when when we hit that last game.
2: So you're just throwing it out there that my year could still be really poor, right? Like or really great, great. (laughs) or really great, or really great. I well, like the way you look at that. Well, right
0: now, you're three games. We're three games over 500, I believe, is essentially,
1: if you try to look
0: at it in the American parlance, I think we're
1: 8-5. By the four. way, this is the conversation that gets you fired. This is it. This is right the one? Now, this is the yeah. one. All
0: right, good to know. Why well, are our live
1: views?
2: I work it's always for the club that, too. Th- it's always that. live views, not my own, or the club views. <laughs> like, where do I stand on this right now? Hey, that's that's
0: really how you feel about it. If you're going to start espousing it, and if you're The only reason I even really say it is because I don't want to start talking about something that isn't soccer just by random happenstance in the course of our conversation, especially on my third purple stuff. And so uh, that's why I, uh, I, I leave the disclaimer. It's not necessarily because of the soccer stuff. I mostly know that... You know, it's mostly subjective enough from our standpoint that right. it doesn't that's, matter what I say. That's the
2: reality of this whole situation. So, like, I love that you're speaking very candidly and honestly about it. And 100% I get it. Yeah. And I understand it. And I've lived in that world for a long time. Um, I feel like I've had a lot of success and I've also had failures. So um, it's it's a choice that I've made. I love it. You know, I'm blessed to do what I do, but it's not easy sometimes. <laughs> I <would> imagine. <laughs> I imagine. There, is, there is no
0: wins and losses record on me or Andy at work. Even if there are numbers no. that judge how you're performing, it, there's no. still no wins and losses. It's basically like, yeah, that was good enough or that wasn't. It's not you needed one more win, we're sorry. You know, so... Uh, Can you, uh,
2: do you, like, Andy referenced earlier that I... That, you don't like Twitter very much. I don't. You, you stay off Twitter. And I've tried to stay off Twitter because it's the same way for me. You have people that, you know, appreciate what you do, and then you just have haters. And, and yeah. there's always going to be haters. I'm going to bring this up because I, I did post uh, the video of the goal, the second goal uh-huh. after the game, and I thought it was a unique, you know, it's, it's the angle that fans will never see unless they see it from us. Right. So and you could see Antoine's run you could see Sonny winning the ball you could see Luke playing the ball you saw everything it's from a wide angle so I thought it was a unique uh, you know angle and And somebody thought Paco was too deep no I'm just kidding well how about this like there's people in Philly that still hate me so bad they troll me and 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 make some crazy comment so i'm like fight what are you fight doing him. with your life like i haven't lived there for six years how is that like, still the thing you care
1: about i'm gonna find them in their homes at night <laughs> Shut your mouth. You well,
2: can't. You can't. They're in a bunker somewhere.
0: <laughs> they're, um, they're in their mother's basement. Yeah, they absolutely. They're are. in their mother's basement surrounded by their six cats and a bunch of frozen Jenny Craig. Mom,
2: where's our beetloaf? loaf? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> by the way, that sounds like my house because we have so many
1: animals.
2: Uh, <laughs> anyway, we digress.
0: <laughs> the digression. The digression, yeah. Um, we... Uh, we're just talking a little bit about still about the game. We're still in the middle of our game review. God we are uh, the game review for Nashville um, obviously we fall behind and then Paolo goes down with an injury and you Never in a million years would I ever even hint that Paolo going down with an injury is a good thing I just won't and I don't but what I will say is that I thought that Antoine coming onto the game changed the course of that game Oh, yeah and so that, to me, doesn't necessarily mean that I thought Paolo had to be the one who came out for it, but I thought, man, it really just said, it just showed what we've sort of talked about a little bit here, that, that having a player, another dynamic player out on the field, especially a dynamic player that can play out wide. Because here's the thing, let's all get this straight out. Lucky Cosano was really fun player for us. and He did a nice job, but he basically could play the nine. And so when you've got Luke on the field as your nine, then Lucky wasn't spectacular out wide. And uh, you want your best players, and he was one of our best players. You want your best players to be able to fit into good positions on the pitch. And Antoine fits out wide so much better than Lucky did. And he showed it right from the beginning, creating space, creating pace. It was a lot of fun to watch. And I felt like the game changed almost immediately when he came onto the field. Uh, It was fun to watch.
1: Yeah. I'm not gonna say he. Sorry, I'm not gonna say he <laughs> bragged about how fast he was when we had him on. But he, he said he was pretty fast. Well, he's aware. I mean, you hope that players are sort
0: of knowledgeable about their own game. Like, you don't want slow guys thinking, "Oh man, I'm a blazer." And you right. don't want fast guys thinking, "No, I'm not really that quick." You want fast guys to know they're
1: fast and then go be fast. But I'm saying, like when we had him on, he said he basically said. It, pretty fast yeah and yeah he's pretty fast
0: you have uh you've gotten to coach him now both in philly and now here uh what do you like best about antoine on the field
2: i mean i think he's just uh he's a nuisance okay is the best way i can probably put it to the opponent he is a pain in the ass all the time and he does it with his soccer and with his athleticism. And with I his mean, elbows. I'm sorry, Andy covered that oh, last week. Sometimes, yes. sorry. <laughs> sometimes with his elbows. Look, uh, if you look at the PK that we earned, Anton's the one that plays Magnus through. Mm-hmm. So he, he doesn't get enough credit for being a creative attacking player. Um, well, it was actually one of the things I really liked during our interview with him is we
0: were talking to him about some of his goal totals and immediately he was like, and this many assists. And it didn't feel like a brag. It felt like, hey, keep in mind that this is an important part of my game. Like oh, I'm pretty were,
2: sure it was a brag. Well,
0: it, and even if it is, though, it's like it's a good brag. Yeah. It's like if Andy says he's 6'5", he's not lying. It's not a brag. It's just this is the this is yeah. the case. And uh, I thought I like that about him is that he was like, make sure you're that the new fans, the people who are meeting me for the first time through this podcast know that. You know, being able to play the ball off to my teammates is a big part of my game. It's how it felt to me, and uh, then and exactly what like you're saying. He plays that nice ball into the corner of the box for uh, Magnus, and Magnus. Sells it and gets the
2: penalty, so it was good. It was a penalty, okay. Maybe a maybe um, a soft penalty, but I sure, definitely yeah. think it was. They a even called it, it a was soft. definitely the
1: commentators. Even said, like, that might be a soft penalty, but it was a penalty. Like, you know how I know it was a penalty? I watched the Magnus take a PK almost
0: immediately thereafter. We've had a lot and of quote unquote
1: soft penalties called against <laughs> us, though. Damn I mean. right,
0: damn right. Uh, you go into the half, what does the halftime feel like when uh, it's the second third game in a row you come into halftime down a goal and you're feeling like well why are we in this position we're playing better than this team again we're we are better than this team in
2: our minds and in our hearts what do you say at halftime i can't repeat that on this podcast (laughs) right on without saying a lot of f-bombs sure um but it's contentious like those aren't we have not had, I'd love to go in halftime and have a more calm, You guys are doing composed, great. Yeah. Uh, Keep doing exactly uh, what you're doing. But it's not. It's There's a lot of... There has to be, at the end of it, there has to be a clear idea how we want to attack in the second half. We're down a goal. Here's the problem we have. Here's the solution we're going to present. But there can't be... It can't be unemotional either because of the, the reality of... Us knowing that the expectation is different, you know, like it's just not allowed, you know, and and on the inside, meaning in that locker room, we don't allow ourselves to feel anything, um, but that it's unacceptable to be 1-0 down at halftime to whoever. Yeah, and um, so we made a, you know, some. We went to a 4-3-3 at Mm halftime, that's the first part. We talked about a couple of the situations that Nashville um, presented us, you know, specifically we we give up that first goal off a defensive throw-in, something that in our coaching staff's humble opinion should never happen. You know, it's a dead ball situation that if we defend it the right way, we're well, never giving a team that opportunity. Um, ball
0: pops straight up in the air at that yeah. point too. And it's one of those things where you can look at statistics and think, well who the hell cares if we won 7 out of 11 aerial duels or 9 out of 10 aerial duels or 2 out of 46. Like, you read the statistics and it doesn't mean anything. That's the, that's the visual evidence of we lost an aerial duel and if we had won it we wouldn't have given up a goal. Uh, uh, that's that's gotta be immensely frustrating because it was immensely frustrating to me it
2: is and, and it's not it's not just the duel it's the, the preparation before the ball ever comes in that you know we feel like we can control that situation and if we defend it the way that we train it on a regular basis it doesn't happen okay um and that's the frustrating part you know and, and you know we've been guilty of that a lot this year um doing, you know, we we gave up a goal against Indy on a defensive throw-in, like, if we're just talking tactics, like, we have not been who we want to be defending throw-ins in our defensive third because it's led to our opponents getting opportunities, and and in those two cases, two goals, you know, early in both matches, so uh, those things are easily correctable, but you still have to correct them, and you still have to hold people accountable for them. Those are tough conversations.
0: Well, the thing that I'll say that uh, is going to sound a little sucking up, it just is, uh, that I like to see in a team is I like a second-half team. I mean, you never want to fall behind. You don't want to feel like we're we're you know not getting out on the right foot. But to me, the thing about a second-half team is it means that you are at least one of these two things and probably both of them. You're either better conditioned, which is preparation more than anything else. Like, we wore these guys down. Or... We were better tactically with, than you, with our substitutions or our game plan. After we got a chance to see what you did, and so that either means, so either way, it's a credit to a coaching staff. Now, perhaps it's a credit to you know Scott Ritter and whoever designs the conditioning programs, but uh, no matter what, it's a credit to the technical staff to be able to say. Let's we get
2: let's give Redder, Ritter some credit okay. right now because he he doesn't get very much credit he from our staff so. He he deserves a, a little more than he well he gets. So. And that's
0: what I like about a second half team, though, is it means that the stuff that you get to control in a game, we were better at than you. We got into better shape than you did in the off season and stayed in better shape throughout the year. And we saw what you were doing and we adjusted better than you did. Like that's what that means is that the stuff we can control in a game, like you, if you're if you get out talented for 90 minutes, whatever, man. Sometimes that's gonna happen. But I I like, I like having a second half team and uh, frankly it was the case during the nice run we had last year where I felt like we were getting a lot of second half goals towards the end of the end of the season and um, you know so that it's not too much sucking up to the guy in front of me. It was a big characteristic of the James O'Connor teams for a lot of years was that I always felt like we were better second half teams than first half teams and that's that's a nice to feel that to me that's a sign of a well-run organization. Uh, and that mostly starts with the community relations executives, I think.
1: Is that... <laughs> <My God. laughs>
2: uh, no, I do. I should have known it was going to go there, and didn't, <laughs> uh, I didn't. I uh, didn't see avoidance. that coming. Uh, really, uh, I, I
0: pivot to me as often as possible. Uh, we... I like that
2: idea, Evan. I really do. Don't and, tell and, exactly. I, <laughs> and I agree with it. Like, one of my mentors used to talk about soccer like a chess match, and that... You have to weaken your opponent as you go, so that when it comes time to attack, you know, they don't have the ability to to defend the space that you're trying to attack. You put it in the terms of a chess match, but I liken soccer to that a lot, because that's the reality. This is a really tough sport. You know, physically and mentally, you get fatigued deep into the second half, especially if you've been under pressure. And you know, I, I like that our team, all year long, aside from the North Carolina game, to be fair, it's the only game that I felt like we didn't have that kind of response. Um, has been a team that has, you know played from whistle to whistle in a way that um, you know, I, I'm, I'm always proud of that part of how we do it. So we
0: get the from Oscar to Paco goal Woo! in the second half for being the second half team. You get the from Oscar to Paco, which $25 from Evan, $25 from Andy, $25, Danny Cruz, we're calling you out because he promised that he would
2: uh, contribute yeah, here. First of all, Danny Cruz will never pay up on a bet. So just uh, let me tell all of you. I have not a even a bet. It's not that. even a bet. Yeah. All
0: right, this is a donation. Think of the children, He's going to
2: be so mad at me for saying
0: that because... He's going to be like, I always pay my business. You have convinced him. So, you've shamed him publicly shamed him. now into yeah. he will have to pay.
2: Danny, now, pay your bet.
0: We're going to pay it all at the end of the year like we promised to Oscar. And so uh, we're now up to at least $75. And I believe Brad Estes agreed to, to go in on this also. So we're at uh, $100 bucks for, uh, from Oscar to Paco goals. Danny, because he claims to draw them all up. So, he does. All right. So that's why uh, Danny's got to participate in that. So uh, congratulations to the children of uh, Southern California because you've got some money coming your way. Yeah. Um, Hopefully many, many more dollars still to come. Uh, Then the brilliant goal, which we've already diagrammed between uh, from Brian to uh, Antoine gets the goal, gets the lead. Then we held on, you know, at the end of the game, everybody's throwing everything forward. I felt like the defense really responded well, especially in the hairy moments of the last six, seven minutes of the game when you've got a lead and they are really just throwing absolutely everything they've got at you. And I didn't think there was any panic. I felt like Paco played one of his better games of the year in the back. I loved seeing the way he felt calm and confident back there throughout most of the game, Uh, and especially there at the end. So ultimately we uh, come away with the 2-1 goal, 2-1 victory. Big win in the standings, in the year, in terms of momentum. Again, playing against a good team that will be there at the end of the year. We've narrowed it down to basically the eight teams that are going to matter when it comes to the end of the season, and Nashville is one of them. And so going out and just beating a team like that is a a
1: nice feeling. And there's also something especially sweet about beating a team that's going to be in the MLS next year. Mm -hmm. There's something especially like, yeah. You, yeah, you're good well, MLS. You're going but there, but it has nothing to do with how good you are. Yeah. No. <laughs> Let's be real for a second. Yeah, there's something especially sweet about it. Uh, so you get the 2 1 victory.
0: Uh, I think sitting tied for sixth at this point mm-hmm. in the uh, USL standings. But man, it is tight in the East. It's real tight. Uh, and the, with the games in hand for a couple of teams, it's still hard to really judge where you're at. There are a couple of teams behind us that could leapfrog us if they go all wins. There are a couple of teams ahead of us that we could make up ground on if they were to take a loss and we to take a win. uh, It feels like that top eight teams is completely interchangeable in every way right now and within three games it could be.
1: But that's kind of awesome though, right? Like that's the kind of competition, you don't want somebody who's just dominating and no one can touch him, right? Unless it's us. Unless it's us. Yeah. But in general, for viewership sure. nationwide, right? Like, you want those top eight teams to for be- For the growth of the league. Constantly battling, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's the reason we're all here.
2: Yeah, I think it speaks to the competitive level of our league right now. Yeah. Know, especially the East mm-hmm. in the USL Championship. It is extremely competitive. Um, I made this statement in the press conference after the Nashville game that, you know, it's hard to look at where teams are in the standings and then relate that to a performance because it is the the parody is so close right now and you know I do think you know Indy deserves a lot of credit, Tampa deserves a lot of credit, but you know, look at the way we played against them and in, in particular the second half of each of those games yep. and that makes me pause and feel very confident about later on what this will look like and especially as we approach, you know and hopefully we're in a position in the playoffs where we, we get to play those teams. But that's where I absolutely feel so good about the fact that we're going to be better. Well, and and we're going to continue to get better.
0: And it's those three teams specifically that you mentioned. And we've played all three of them on the road to start the season. Tampa, New York, Indy, all three top of the standings. And those three we played on the road and played decent games against New York was still it was the struggle game that we ended up losing, but you lose and that game could have been, like you Andy said earlier, could have been four three either direction if things bounced the right way. And so I feel like those three games, all tight and you come away with two points against the three best teams in the the three other best teams in the league, and you don't feel that bad when you know that they've still got to come to come to Slugger Field. All three of those teams are still yet to visit us.
2: And so by the end of
0: this year, we could be, uh, you know, looking at ties, draws, or wins <coughs> against some of the best teams in the league.
2: That's that's encouraging. I just want to point out that ties and draws yeah, are the same yeah, thing. I was, I just I was really, really disappointed with that. You're usually team. extremely smart and what way happened, smarter man? than I that, am. That, but That, that, uh, that third yeah, purple the one that really you. is
0: uh, – I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm not going to lie to you. That's every – You guys hate Andy, uh, am he, I allowed to give him crap uh, like you, this? You're encouraged to give crap like <laughs>
2: Alright.
0: It's preferred actually. Yeah. Yeah, no. In my history, in my history, it's always that third, it's the third one. That, that third, third whiskey everybody. drink gets you each time. Um So let's move on quickly yeah. to the get to the yeah, game preview. We're it's getting there now. Uh, game preview: We've got Ottawa this Sunday at 2 p.m. You'll be able to tune in and watch that game on uh, local TV as provided by Andy's wife. Andy,
1: what station are we going to find it on? DRB, is that right? No, no BKI. There, there, it, there is. it is. The BKI, and uh, one more your, reason I'm a terrible.
0: You are a really bad husband. You don't even know
1: who your wife works for. I don't know who she works <laughs> for. It. Uh-huh. It's a lot. It's a lot.
0: Uh-huh. All right, so the game's Sunday at 2 Uh, p.m. Going out of the country for this game. Everybody got their passports in order. Who's in charge of making sure that everybody's got their passport?
2: Andrew Delallo. Okay,
0: so if anybody doesn't make it for uh, logistical reasons, we go to Delallo.
2: We we blame Delallo. We flat out push him under the bus as fast (laughs) as we can. Understood. Understood. Uh, Have you, assuming health have you decided on an 18 for this game not yet i think we have a we'll have a couple really hard days of training where the guys honestly should be fighting it out for for in particular the the 17th and 18th spot okay um i think the goalkeepers have an interesting interesting battle this week uh to see who the, the the you know the one and two are um and I look forward to that because we haven't had, you alluded to it earlier in this podcast, but we haven't had some of those internal competitive uh, moments just because we haven't had the, the players, right. you know, at our full disposal. But, um, you know, clearly we probably don't have Paulo this week, but mm. everybody else for the most part is healthy and they're going to battle for that 18. Um that aside, we have a, a tough game. Ottawa's been playing really good. They have I been feel good. like we played one of our best games against Ottawa earlier in the year. But who scored the
0: one goal that we scored against Ottawa? Lucky Kosana, who's no longer with the team. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried that that's the case. No, uh, you, you, you had to bring that up, didn't you? Of course you? I did. We got to be Because I called him out on the tie. And it was entirely. Thing. I wasn't even going to mention it until then. Uh, coach, you, uh, you're bringing up the exact point that I was curious about. The astute fans in the stands all pointed out that uh, Ben Lute was warming up with the team this week at uh, Slugger Field. And uh, that raises the question, is he back with the club? Is he still loaned out to Cincinnati? Is he healthy? Is he not healthy?
2: What's the, what's the situation with Ben Lute? It's that he's recovering okay. uh, from a surgery. And he clearly, if, if you were watching at all during warmups, he looks pretty good. He so, does. Uh, we feel like he is in the, the mix for competing for a spot this week, which is great. Um, you know, Chris has played really well in Ben's absence. Um, Dobro has pushed Chris every training session. So it's going to be nice. It'll be the first time that we've had, you know, three goalkeepers going at it. Uh, because of the different injury situations all three of those guys have had this year. Um, and those are the kind of tough decisions that, as a staff, we want to make, mm-hmm. honestly. And we want to see that play out on the training field. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll track every goal that's scored and who it's scored against in training. And um, it'll be a very difficult decision. And there's going to be one one of those individuals is going to be really you know, at the, the end of all of it is not going to feel great because they didn't make the trip, but they hopefully feel, uh, we will have made them feel like their contribution is just as important.
0: Good. Good. Yeah. Alright, so we got a couple of other injury thoughts. I'm curious, uh, you mentioned the fact that you're hounding him the same way Andy is about his shoulder. How far away are we from uh, being able to see Abbu, Baki Bakijam back on the field?
2: I mean, I think he's available to train tomorrow for the first time wow, fully. Really? Uh, he's been back with us uh, in, in a really? limited role, kind of as a neutral player in, in activities for us. Um, but uh, Scott Ritter has done a great job pushing him uh, to get back into f- game fitness, and um, he is one of those guys that we will – absolutely uh, look at this week and and ultimately have to make a tough decision on. Now
0: I privately and I'm gonna look away from coach and look right at Andy for the I privately sort of thought that if we were willing to let Lucky go even for a really nice piece like Antoine that we must be hopeful that Abdu would be not far around the corner just because Uh, It's tough for Luke to be the only pure number nine on the roster, and uh, that's where we're sort of at if uh, Abdu can't go. Uh, Andy, if you couldn't start Luke or Abdu at the nine, who would you be most interested to see if our other players play up front in an attacking role?
2: Not a lucher
0: out I don't put you on the spot very
1: often, and I just did. No, yeah, you did. Do you guys uh, remember who we
2: played at the nine spot the last time we played Ottawa?
1: No, I don't. Evan's shaking, Evan shaking, nodding. Evan, yes.
0: Uh, I believe that in that game we allowed Niall to play up front. Very, very, yeah. very correct. I pay at attention are. to these things. I try to. I, I don't. I try not to be an absentee host for these things. Um, it's my job. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> only one of us can do that I at a good. time. Is that who you'd be interested in? I know we played Brian at the 9 a little bit in the last couple of weeks, uh, and um, I, I personally think that what we've seen from uh, Antoine might be interesting playing in that role if Abdu's not ready. But I the, like Nile up there. Yeah? I like having Nile up there. I, I agree in terms of his vision and his uh, game planning ability. You can't – you. you his body type doesn't seem ideally suited to being able to hold the ball up. If you want to play a hold-up play at all,
2: yeah, it's a different kind of Nile. Yeah, look. Uh, and, and speaking of Nile, um, he's been a stud this year. Like, and uh, we, I have failed in mentioning him because, like, he literally plays so many places for us. And every time we ask him to fulfill a different role, last time we played Ottawa, you know, it was unique situation and without giving away all our tactics there was a reason we did it and he was like absolutely um on you know saturday walking out of the locker room i said niall um you know good chance we're bringing Sonny on and then i'm gonna move you to the two or it's a right back right and you're to make the game as a right back he did the same job for us against charlotte so I mean, it's just an example of a player who has played multiple positions for us and wherever we put him, he does such a good job. So. Um, I think in
0: his five years with the team, we've seen him play everywhere but goalkeeper and center back. I think other than those two, we've seen yeah. him play at every spot on the field. And, you know, he's the he's the OG of Blue yeah. City players, yep. and uh, there's a reason he's still so beloved. And part of that is his willingness. We talked to him when we had him on the podcast at the beginning of this year about what his favorite place to play on the pitch was, and he said, the pitch. He said, you know, if he can be on the field, that's he what he wants, to, wants to do. Yeah. So. That's that's nice to hear reinforcement from the uh, from the coach on in that respect, uh, but man, it'll be nice if we don't have to worry about who would the, the oddball nine be for us if we get to the point where Abdu and Luke come back and can play 90 between the two of them and you either you know run somebody to death for 70 minutes with Abdu and then beat them up with Luke or vice yeah. versa. Uh, man, that'll be a nice that'll be a nice issue to have. Can you imagine uh, Brian? Abdu and then Antoine across the front three, oh and the God. amount of speed that's going to create for—I'm not a fan of playing long balls, but you'd be tempted to play a lot of long balls with those three guys. Uh, we'll 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 leave that for a day when the coach isn't here. Um, so, Andy. Big game. We got the win one nothing. Ottawa's been very good. They're right in the middle of the playoff hunt. I believe they're sitting at four or five right now. No, they're behind us. Are they behind us now? Yeah.
1: Okay. Then they, I'm glad you showed up for work today. They're right behind us. So sitting in seven or Yeah, we're at okay. we have twenty eight points right now, is that right? And they have twenty six. So right on our tails. I think. So a big game. Right, they have twenty. 20- I don't
0: know. Those standings. That's a smart man. So they're right there, though. They're in the middle they're of this right playoff yeah. th- uh, hunt, and they are one of the teams that will matter when it comes to the end of the year because, again, if they go on a three-game streak and the top three go on a three-game losing streak, then suddenly it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Uh, what do you got for a score line one for nothing. me? One nothing. Okay, you think we, we replicate the home score line?
1: I, you know, obviously I want it to be the Oscar to Paco because I'm, I'm trying to give money to kids who need lunch. Because you're a sweetheart. Unlike Danny Cruz, who welches
0: on bets, according to Kochak.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm in such trouble with Danny. It's, if the, I'm it's, the, that. High it's <laughs> the high and tight. It's the high and tight. It's just high and tight.
0: It is high um, and tight.
1: Outside of the, the Oscar de Paco, um, man, I really want to see something from Brian. It
0: feels like it's goal time for Brian. Yeah, like, I would love to see it. He's had so many strong games this year and had such a hard time getting into the actual scoring column when he does so much of the work that gets us so many of our goals. It feels like Brian is due.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. I've got this weird, weird, weird sensation that Antoine's going to make himself an enormous fan favorite over three weeks. And whether he starts or whether he comes on in reserve, I've got this weird feeling that in he played well in Indy and everybody was like, oh, we kind of see it. And then he gets the game winner against uh, Nashville and everybody goes, we're going to embrace this guy. And I've got this feeling that he gets like two this week. He against goes to Ottawa.
1: The, the brace or, slash or, force or, lightning.
0: Or a goal and an assist. Something sick. Something crazy. just where And just so he solidifies himself in everybody's minds and everybody goes, Antoine, our guy. You know, uh, I got a, I got a really nice feeling. I, plus, I just love the way he's looked the first uh, oh, yeah. two weeks playing for us. It's been fun
1: to watch. Thunder bastard from like forty yards out.
0: I don't know if that's his strength, but I really. It turns think. out that's what it is. Is it does uh, Antoine have much of a long range shot? Is that something that he brings yeah, to the if table? You,
2: if you look at the goal he scored in the Open Cup for Tampa earlier this year, I okay, mean, it's, it's a banger. Nice. So,
0: all, All right. right, so there you
2: go. It's not typically an Antoine Hopeno goal, though. Um, okay. I'll be fair, but um, that's what a creative player does. They score from a different, you know, location every time. So yeah. he has that in his bag, and I'd love to see that. Like, so I'm with you, Evan. <laughs>
0: um, so I'm Antoine, fully behind if, you. if you get the start now, you just remember that this was thanks to me. That before you were just barely going to make the 18, and now
2: you're. uh, Antoine, if you're listening to this, you're not starting, because Evan said you were. All right, I can can pretty much promise you he's not listening. Ruining (laughs) everything.
0: Ruining everything. Uh, I'm excited about. I'm excited about where this team goes. We've got this Ottawa game, and it is sort of the end of a pretty brutal gauntlet of, of tough teams. Not saying that the teams that we play the rest of the season won't be just equally as tough, but this particular stretch was. We went through a stretch where we played the either the one, two, or three yeah. team and an MLS team over the course of three weeks. That's that's really tough. That's tough.
2: Uh, but that's what we are. Like we love that. I mean, it's easier for us to do that than. To, um, Kevin Kernan was telling me at the press conference that. You know, after Ottawa were playing, I forget what it was, but it was
0: not a not a not a murderer's. Run. Yeah, and I'm I like, I believe that, Loudon comes. That after doesn't that. matter. Yeah. Like
2: I mean, you bring up you Loudon. Loudon's a really good team. You know, they have a new coach and they're playing really well. Um Charlotte's They've the way gotten I feel some good. Right well, now. Charlotte's the same way, and yeah. you know, everybody looks at our game against Charlotte and is like, oh, that that wasn't. Charlotte's playing great, and they haven't lost in six games. Um, They're right back in the playoff picture, you know, so none of these games. I mean, and Bethlehem is in there, and they're right, you know, they're fighting. And, you know, I know Brendan Burke really well. You can't discount, you know, those kind of teams, especially when you're uh, an MLS2 team and you're literally going to get thrown down some guys that, Potentially, yeah. we're playing, or you know, for the first team uh, a week before. So and you
0: never know when you're—it's going to go either way on that, where your best players all of a sudden go up, and you've got nothing in the stable, yeah. or you uh, yeah. suddenly they send down three guys who are of a caliber you're not used to having. But here's
2: the reality of us being who we are: we don't get the <laughs> MLS two teams that just roll out the All Academy lineup. We don't. No. We get no. the opposite. You like know. we're the champs or something. Right. How about that? Yeah. You know? It's so, almost like we're defending two titles. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that way, isn't it? But I, I love that. So my point overall is that like all of these games are hard. Every single weekend presents a different problem for us. And we're not so good that we can just roll out and beat any team. We have to show up every single weekend. And we have to bring the same mentality, and, and if we can become more consistent with how we do things from start to finish, I love our chances. I love our chances. I do too. I'm feeling really good right now. Yeah. I'm feeling like
0: we got 16, 16 games left in the season. Yeah. 16 games left in the season. We went on our run starting at 11 games left of the season last year. Yeah. So we got five games to figure things out before you've set yourself a standard, Coach. I've,
2: I, <laughs> let's just say we figured them all out. Yeah. We're starting it a week ago.
0: Okay. Right. Well, I, if we could go for a 16 game, or I'm sorry, I guess by the end of it to be 20 game run at this point, then uh, that be would nice. be that would be something else. Uh, Coach, you've been here essentially a year now with the club. Almost. Almost exactly a year now with the club. Uh, Still positive impressions of the city of Louisville, of this organization?
2: I say it all the time, like this is my home and I want to be here forever. Um, It's a wonderful organization. I honestly feel blessed with the ownership group and the front office. I mean, I'm, I'm fully supported. And when I make crazy decisions like trading away lucky for Antoine, you know, nobody really gives me a lot of shit about it. Um, I'm certainly held accountable, uh, but those are decisions that are up to, to our staff to make. Um, and that's a really good place to be in. Um, it means that know the people above me and supporting me are giving me full confidence uh and and that's exactly what you know i've always wanted you know in this career so i couldn't ask for more um i love our fan base and you talked about walking out on the field like Mm -hmm. every time i walk out on that field you know it's amazing to me and i constantly remind myself how privileged i am to be on the sidelines and at field level for games you know like I would pay to do that, you know. Um, Don't tell Brad that. Don't, (laughs) you know, that's, that's, it might sound like bullshit, somebody's probably gonna tweet something out, like he's just, you know, spewing bullshit, but I'm not, it's how I feel. Um, It's part of the reason that, you know, right from the very start when I came here, I felt like this was a special place. I still feel that way. And with everything we have planned for the future, I can't help but think that, like, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Andy, you got much
0: else to, to no, go? No, man, on? that I, was... I got one last question, because it's the thing that I feel like everything sort of starts and ends with this year. And so... Uh, oh, shit, what is it? It has nothing to do with the You Suck Asshole chant. I 100% promise you that.
2: Thank you. God, what it so does to have to
0: do, that. I don't God. even, shh, you don't even know. You have no concept of what... Anyway, uh, no, the thing that I think that everything about this year starts and ends with is the stadium. Uh, You're watching it go up every day right now. uh, You've gotten to take several tours (coughs) of it at different stages of development. Uh, What does that mean for player recruitment for next year, for uh, the player morale this year, for player effort this year, knowing, hey, I want to still be here to go get into that thing. What does it just mean? to be seeing this thing go up. Because I know what it means to the fan base, I'm curious what it means to the coach.
2: Look, I didn't know John Neese before I interviewed here. I didn't know Tim Malloy. I didn't know Brad Estes. You know, I didn't really, you know, know much about Lou City. But when I started looking and I started researching, the very first thing to me that was most important was, oh my God. They're gonna build a cathedral of a soccer stadium. <laughs> and like, okay, and they're a really good club. You know, James O'Connor's done a phenomenal job with this team. They're defending champions. Watch some video. Oh, they play they play a good style. Actually, they're really tough. Like, all of these things were ancillary to me looking at, is this a place I wanna to come to? And and when you build the kind of building that we're building, it it's a game changer and I know I've said that before talked about having goosebumps when I go out there on the tours uh, of it Um, but it should for all of us like be the thing that really takes us to another level of existence as a club it it will both in our style and who we can get to you know show up in our locker room how our supporters
0: perform you know
2: how our supporters perform everything like it, it is it will change everything about who we are, what we are, and how we look to the future. That's exactly what I wanted to hear.
0: I'm ready to run through a wall, Andy. Yeah. You good? I'm good. You got anything else to cover tonight?
1: I like your shirt. Good like shirt too. That's it.
0: We. It's uh, <laughs> a good shirt. We did a we did a supercharged, extra long version tonight. But when we have Coach on, I don't think anybody I mean, ever no, gives yeah, it gonna So uh, Coach, thanks very much for coming on. Thanks best for to, having me. Best of luck against Ottawa and for the rest of the season. Yeah. Andy, you were dynamite as per usual. I don't like to brag.
1: You don't. I like that about I don't. you. I don't like to brag. All
0: right. Uh, and uh, with that, I can only think of one good way to end this podcast, and that's by saying what we always say. And that is Go City!